<laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. It took me a second. I didn't see that it had gone live. I was like, wait, where do I go? I know, I know. It, it, there's always a little bit of a lag, so don't worry. <laughs> um, good to see you. You too. Um, I, gave, I did like a little brief introduction, but... Um, <laughs> but do it again. I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Danielle Rothman of Rothburn's Creative. Um, she's a modern calligrapher, right? You call yep. yourself a modern calligrapher, illustrator, mm -hmm. graphic designer, um, extraordinary businesswoman, <laughs> all, <laughs> all of that. So um, I'm so happy to have you here and get to chat a little bit more about what you do. So thank you for doing yeah, that. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So, um, so I like to start at the beginning and <laughs> this is, I like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I ask questions I already know, but I just think it's fun for people to, to learn, <laughs> to learn more about you. And, um, I'd love for you just to tell like where you're from and how you first started calligraphy. Yeah. So I'm a New Yorker. I'm from Long Island. Um, and I went to school, I have a bachelor's in advertising and I have a master's in higher education. Um, and so after I graduated, you know, I, I really was struck and always was struck by just how important community is. And um, I really fell in love with that at school. So I was like, okay, well, I love school. So I'm going to work at a college. I'm going to do career counseling. It's going to be great. Um, and then I ended up working at a nonprofit instead, doing workshops, um, community building, and things like that. So that's what I had been doing for a while, um, for four mm -hmm. years. And um, I was burned out working at a small six-person nonprofit does that to you. Um, and yeah. my friend bought me a coloring book um, to help me unwind and de-stress. Um, so this was back in the holidays for um, 2015. It had taken way too long to get married. I was planning my wedding for half of forever. And I was so happy to be married, but I missed having a creative outlet. So she bought me this coloring book when I was all burned out. It took me three months to open it. Um, but when I did <laughs> it, oh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but when I finally opened it, it just opened my eyes to all of the ways that you could be creative as an adult. So um, from that one little coloring book in February 2016, um, I went from that to my husband bought me my first DSLR camera that year for his birthday because he's too impatient to wait for mine. Um, and I had what I like to call my creative renaissance. Um, and within six months, I had a business and I was doing calligraphy and photography and um, very, very quickly realized that calligraphy was where it's at. Um, and it, yeah, and then I've been full time almost three years. So that's, that's the short, short ish yeah. version of 
discovering creativity and getting here. <laughs> uh, I love your story so much because, um, I mean, I find it very inspiring just, you know, having done something very different and then finding um, a creative path and just going for it. Like, it's so cool that you just dove in at <laughs> first. Like, I mean, did you? you know, it was, at the time, it did not feel as fast as it was. In, in hindsight, okay. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I posted on Facebook my calligraphy for the very first time that July, and by September, I had a business, and I was an LLC. And I'm like, wait, like, how is that so quick? But, like, at the moment, it didn't feel that fast. I think it was a bunch of things coming together that I was waiting for. And one of the things I was very, very lucky about is when I started my business, my family and friends, um, their response to it was, we never thought it'd be calligraphy, but we always thought you'd have a business. And so they were oh, very supportive. Yeah, and they were waiting for that. And I had friends who, like, who've known me for since I was gay high, um, being like, I'm so glad you're doing something creative. Like, mm -hmm. it was a surprise, like, what it was. But I think that I was more surprised than they were. So I was really lucky that I had a lot of support. Um, and then also, like, yes, it was a radical change in that I went from a non-art thing to an art thing. But, um, you know, I had, I had the business for a year before I went full time. And the big turning point for me is when I started teaching calligraphy. And, you know, when I had worked at the nonprofit, I, I mean, I affected more change in that job in one day than I think I'll ever will in the rest of my life. It was an amazing, amazing experience. I was working with people who were acting as mentors. I was working with folks who really needed help um, just like getting the professional development skills. I've had people literally stop me on the street years later and be like, oh, my God, it's so nice to see you. Um, but it was a really hard job to follow up um, because it, there were all these different things I was doing. So when I started teaching calligraphy, you know, mm. three and a half-ish years ago, that was a light bulb moment for me where I realized that all of the things I love to do, leading workshops, helping people, having those connections, building community, I could do that through calligraphy. So mm. it wasn't so much that it was like completely like different. It was more mm. that like I could, I mean, I'd, I'd always made, you know, the flyers for every company I ever worked for. Um, but it was more that I could like channel that and, you know, have that creativity and really give myself the permission to explore and be creative. And that's something I really talk about a lot in my classes is stop stopping yourself. I thought I couldn't draw, you know, the first 28 years of my life. And then once I stopped telling myself that story, I was able to become an artist. And um, that, that I think is, has been really powerful. But I know that I wouldn't have been able to take that leap um, if I hadn't, if I hadn't already figured out that there were things that I liked. Um, and also very not coincidentally, <laughs> I had left that job in July, 2016 and started my business a month after I had a regular job with regular hours. Um, so there was, there was also that I needed the time, which of course now I'm an entrepreneur and I work six to seven days a week. So that went out the window again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, no. But yeah, that is the reality. <laughs> Those regular hours are really nice in theory. And my husband was like, great, you'll like come home and like be a person. And then I started my business a month later. And he's like, nope, that's just not how she works. It's just never going to happen. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can relate to that. <laughs> but um, now I was curious if you could talk a little bit more about, because um, you said your friends and family and stuff were like, oh, yeah, of course, you're, you're going to you know do something creative. Um, but were you artsy as a kid or like, you know, did you doodle? You said you thought you couldn't draw. Yeah, it depends on how far back you go. My fifth mm -hmm. birthday party was all art supplies. And so that one was definitely all art supplies and oh God, stickers. I love a good sticker. Um, but, and you skip ahead.
chat a little bit more. Um, so I grew up singing and acting. So singing is, oh, is okay. my first love. And at some point in elementary school, and I wish I knew exactly when, but at some point I got this weird idea in my head that you could only be creative in certain ways. And so I chose singing and acting. And so that's what I did all through my childhood. So that was how I was creative. But I somehow decided that that meant that I couldn't also be creative with the visual arts and that I couldn't also do these other things. And I really don't know where I got this idea from, but it was a very limiting belief because it was just plainly not true. <laughs> like, of course, now I know because I do this stuff. Um, so that was kind of it is I had had that outlet in a different way, I, in writing and things like that. So I knew I was creative, but I, I never knew I was creative enough. Like, even when I was studying advertising, I was on the account management side because the idea of being a creative, like, oh, I'm not that creative, um, which is a complete lie. Like, it would have been a great job for me had I, like, actually believed in myself that I could do it. And so I think that's mm -hmm. been the biggest change is that, um, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So letting go of some of that perfectionism mm -hmm. and that idea that I'm just going to try it, you know. Um, but it's been helpful too, like for everything I've tried, whether it's like learning embroidery or like iPad or whatever, um, whatever I do that's new through this lettering lens, I feel like that was my way in, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't a surprise to me that I liked graphic design. I always knew, but I'd always been so intimidated by it that I couldn't even try. So just having this like way in like, oh, I can try this with lettering and then I can learn the other things. So I kind of am doing this like the opposite. A lot of letterers like start with graphic design and then start to do the, the lettering side where I'm just kind of using that as my lens to explore and play and like have this comfort zone and then I can expand out so right. yeah it's really just been about finding my way in and just not telling myself no anymore yeah yeah <laughs> no I think that's really interesting and um just I don't know if we've talked about the fact that I studied advertising at one point no. and like major and you know then I went back to school and all this stuff so um but it's but you know I also had the same idea of like oh I'm not like creative enough or I'm not you know really like I I wanted to be around creative people because right. like I couldn't you know I wasn't um originally it took me a long time to even like go into graphic design and things yeah like, you know I mean like in high school I literally used to call myself the worst of the best like I would be, like, when I was, like, singing, I would, like, be in, like, the Allstate stuff, but I would never get a solo, or I would be in, like, a small group, so, like, I would, like, be in, I went to musical theater high school for a year, like, I would, like, be in those areas, but never quite, like, the star, mm -hmm. and, right. um, I mean, who the hell says that to themselves? Like, I would never say that to another person, ever. Why should I say that to me? <laughs> so, yeah. like getting that idea out of my head. Um, but yeah, I thought the same thing, like, oh, I just want to be near the creatives. And like, no, I want to be a creative. And as a matter of fact, I want to be the creative director who like makes the decisions, not the worker bee just sitting and doing it. Like, I want to like have my aesthetic out there. Um, but a lot of it's just confidence and mm -hmm. you have to go for it. And there's just so many messages out there saying that we're not good enough and that, you know, you're, you know, your way in or your way of doing things isn't the right way. And like, I was very self-conscious of the fact that I didn't know Photoshop until, you know, I started using it for my prints. And I was like, well, if I don't know um, Photoshop, then I can't be doing this. Like, that's just not true. It's just not true. So. What do you think helped you? I'm sorry, this is not on the questions I thought I was going to ask, but it's just interesting. So. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, also, I, hi, Laura. Hi from Ireland. Okay. <laughs> my oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> like, someone from Ireland. Gosh, it's. I guess it's like 11 p.m. or something there. But oh, anyway. amazing. We're on a, we have a group chat with a bunch of us letterers that we started like three years ago. And, oh. Um, so, yeah. Oh. So, she's great. <laughs> anyway.
Um, no, I was just curious if you, uh, like what you think helped you gain that confidence or to be able to push through some of those limiting beliefs. Um, I mean, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the coloring book, but the coloring book was really influential. Yeah. Um, also in full disclosure, I gave that one away. Sorry, Emily. Um, I gave away that coloring book because it wasn't quite the right style, but it got, <laughs> I got another one. Um, and it was, so I thought I couldn't draw, but I, I knew I was good with colors. And so I started, you know, Prisma colors were all the rage and I started with the color pencils and I realized I was putting together some really interesting color mixes. And so just seeing the colors and getting some really positive feedback from family and friends, but mm -hmm. they were all just very like quickly willing to see me as an artist before I was willing to see me as an artist. Like it took a really long time to claim the word designer to claim the word illustrator like these are words that are very big and scary to me um and so it was a lot of like really good feedback that I was getting that helped a lot with that um but really it was that and then I bought markers for my coloring books and they were expensive I literally cried because I couldn't believe I was spending money on myself and um I googled what else can you do with these markers and I saw my first lettering video and angels sang and I was like that's it like I'm in love I'm gonna do this because I've always loved quotes I've always loved you know colorful things and so it, it was really like, it was an actual singular moment where I was like, oh, this is great. Um, but of course those pens were not good for beginners. So it took another month of like frustrating practice for it to finally come together. Um, because one of the most frustrating things about art is that your eye develops before your skills do. So um, yeah. it was like giving myself that permission to not be good enough yet. Um, but yeah, so I think that that gave me a lot of confidence. I also think, you know, my husband having bought me that camera, he didn't know I'd wanted one my whole life. I don't know why I never just told my parents. They would have bought me one. Um, but I just always wanted a camera and to say that it changed the way I see the world again, not hyperbole. So this was all happening like in the same, like three month time span. Um, but I, I just started looking at the world in colors and angles and shapes and, mm -hmm. um, just gave, again, gave myself that permission to, to play. And so, yeah, so I have a, I have a lot of thank yous to a lot of people who, um, like very quick, like very quickly hired me or like gave me that positive feedback. Um, <laughs> because yeah. that made a big difference. Now, of course, I look back and I'm like, oh, that was not that good, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but I think it's such a good thing for people to hear about and remember that sometimes, like, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to, like, have already, take, you know, gone a design degree or, like, have, you know, gone to art school or, yeah. like, you know, especially if you love something that you can, you know, um, I mean, you you basically taught yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a self-taught artist for sure. And it's it's hard because it, you, you just want it to be easy. You want to just say, okay, I'm going to read this one book and be done. But you actually need to look at a variety of sources and you need to piece it all together because one artist is going to have a preference for this reason, another one for this reason, and then the rule is somewhere in the middle between the reasons. Um, and so it was a lot of like trial and error. And I have to say, I've, I've learned as much, if not more than my students in my classes, just from watching how they learn and what they're doing um, mm -hmm. and how all those pieces come together. So, um, you know, I call it peak crafting. I've hit the point in my apartment where if I want to do a craft project, I probably have the supplies. <laughs> so I, I, once I hit peak crafting, it got a lot less scary because I would be like, oh, I don't want to do this thing because I have to buy like $200 of supplies. But like now I'm at this point where like, no, I can do it for five bucks because like I have the things. And yeah. I, I think there's, I think it's really hard in the beginning because you're like, I want the same tools as my teacher. I want what they recommend. And then you get frustrated and you don't have the same results, but it's not really about the tools. It's about you and like how to figure it out. So it was just a lot of trial and error. And um, again, giving myself permission to like make, sh make stuff I wasn't gonna share with anybody. Like it's okay. Yeah. Um, but like, 
I really had to daily remind myself that's okay. Um, and then also doing it daily. So I started a thing in 2017 where um, I had a New Year's resolution to do art every day. Mm. And I actually did. Um, and so that became my mantra. So 2017 was do art every day. 2018 mm. was stop stopping yourself. 2019 was level up. And this year is you can do anything but not everything. Be kind to yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, remember you don't that have to like, do the whole world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so much of art is just mental. It's just giving yourself permission to play and to keep at it. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's really going to make the biggest difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was lucky that it grabbed me, you know, yeah. I really couldn't put it down. The muscle memory just happened. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you obviously worked very hard as well, and, but you know, if you, it sounds like you just loved it so much. And but you know, it didn't feel like I was working very hard. Um, yeah. It wasn't like I, it wasn't like when I took piano lessons for about three weeks when I was a kid and I like, would have forced myself to sit at the piano and be miserable the whole time. Like it wasn't yeah. working. It was, um, you know, I, I was part of a community and I was like, okay, well, every birthday, new baby anniversary, everyone gets a quote. And so I, again, like I framed it in a way that was meaningful to me. So it became thoughtful gifts and that, you know, still is part of my business. Um, mm -hmm. But it gave me a deadline. It gave me a goal. It gave me something meaningful. Um, and like being able to do it that way. So I was all, I mean, and this was a community of like 40 people. So I always had something to do, like at least one a week, <laughs> but like having that like structure and having that, um, like reason to keep going was also really very motivating. Um, and that helped a lot. So it didn't feel like I was practicing every day. I wasn't like sitting there doing drills. Um, although of course sitting there doing drills is one of the best things you can do. And it's one of the reasons why once I started teaching my calligraphy got so much better because I was doing the drills in my classes all the time. Um, so there Wait, there are that. calligraphy like, drills. Hell. I'm like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, is like, that the thing? The basic, the yeah, they call them our drills. So it's like the basic strokes. So it's like the parts that make up all the letters. You, you've actually done them in my classes. I just didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, anything to like work with that. But the nice thing about lettering is like whether you're using a regular pen or you're using a calligraphy pen, like you can still like practice different pieces of it as you're going along. So okay. yeah, it it grabbed me. Like it, yeah. I, I'll now it's like I'm doing art without realizing it. Like I'm sitting and drawing something or coloring something or doing something um, with my hands, and it's really fun. Um, but I don't have to think about it anymore, which is good. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm curious, like, at what point, um, it sounds, I mean, you said it didn't seem quick, but it, it, it sounds like it happened quickly where you, you know, kind of decided that you wanted to make this a business that like, I don't know if you remember, like there was a thought process. Oh, I do. Or, yeah. Um, so like I said, I shared my, inst my, and I didn't have an Instagram actually. My little cousin made me make an Instagram. <laughs> How many hours have gone from my life because she made me make an Instagram. Um, but I had Facebook and, um, so I started coloring in February. Um, I got a better pen in May and I posted my first thing on Facebook in, um, July. And so around the time I did my first post on Facebook, I was thinking, oh, I want an Etsy shop. And, um, I was at, um, a gala for the nonprofit and I was talking to somebody, one of the board members, I had showed her my work before. And she was like, oh yeah, I saw some stuff in restoration hardware. Like it would fit right in. Like this could be a really interesting idea. And then she showed me the samples and I was like, oh, I can do better than that. And like literally my business was motivated by, I can do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like not a good thing to admit, but whatever. Um, and so that was kind of when that started. And I was like, oh, like I think, I think I've got something here. And then um, in September, the thing that really pushed me over the edge is I took a beginner's class with my favorite um, calligraphy blogger. 
And um, we talked afterwards and she was like, yeah, you're not a beginner anymore. And just getting that validation from someone that I really respected um, really helped, especially like in the beginning, I was doing more like photography things. Now, of course, all my photography is like product photography or event photography. Um, but like that confidence to focus on calligraphy, even though it was still so new, um, was getting that, that really nice feedback. So those, those two things I think were really yeah. motivating. And plus like once it fell in my lap, like, there were things that I always wanted. So like I vended Chelsea Market Artisan Please and I got married across the street from there. So at our tasting for our wedding, um, we wandered into Artisan Please for the first time. And I remember walking in and going, wow, I would love, like, I'd love it here. I'd love to sell here. Mm-hmm. And my husband's like, what would you sell? I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I didn't do any of this before my wedding. And so now to like be a vendor there and yeah. to like, be in this space like I'd always wanted to be at a craft fair but I never had a reason to be and so it was a lot of like opportunity like it was a lot of things in my life coming together like it wasn't just one thing it was like multiple layers coming together and just really making a lot of sense (laughs) so funny yeah like it's it's like it really does feel like it was um meant to be but just you know yeah (laughs) it was it wasn't until so I started teaching um, the following April, and I went to an event about a month later, and it wasn't until I went to this event, and they were like, well, where do you see your business going, that I even realized I wanted to be full-time. I thought I just wanted a side hustle, um, mm-hmm. and then I was at this event, and I was like, you know, I think, like, I love this. I think I want to make this full-time, and that was a really big clarifying moment for me as well, so just having those opportunities to, like, talk about that and to verbalize that and to see, like, mm-hmm. this is where I want it to go, um, but I find if you're excited about something, everyone else gets excited about it too. Um, So just kind of taking that excitement and running with it and not being afraid to like ask all the questions and Mm -hmm. try new things. You know, I had a very long spaghetti phase where I threw all the spaghetti at the wall and I saw it stuck. Um, (laughs) So like, that's okay too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, do you feel like, um, I mean, what are some of the challenges that you had in in starting a business and like, you know, how did you overcome them as well I mean there's there's a lot of challenges I think the number one challenge is being a type a person who is also a solopreneur because yeah. when you are type a and you are going all of the time on all cylinders at all hours of the day um, and you are a perfectionist and you want everything to be done and you want to be done right yeah. um, and then you're only one person but they don't yeah. tell you when you have a one-person business you have the exact same amount of tasks and workload and professional presence as the really big companies, you just don't have any employees. And, right. so, yeah. like, and I know you know about this. I'm preaching to the choir um, because <laughs> it's just the sheer amount of things. And so the, the biggest struggle I've had is how to do it all. And finding advisors and people that you could get advice from but then like ultimately like being your own boss and being in control so not letting the work control you but you kind of prioritizing and deciding what you want to focus on so that's really been the hardest thing is like like understanding that like if I want to do something I need to decide do I want to make time for it and do it the best I can or maybe wait and then be able to do it better later so just really being more strategic I think that's the biggest challenge because there's so many ideas and trends are coming out like every minute and I'll walk, like, I'll have a conversation with someone like, oh, you can do this. Oh, you can do that. I mean, who knew that something as niche as calligraphy could go in so many directions? 
But like the more I've niched in, the more opportunities there've been to blow it up again. Um, and so just trying, and I'm I'm still working on it, <laughs> but trying yeah. to be more selective about what I take on, the areas that I go in, and just like really trying to only commit to things that I can do well and up to my standards without not sleeping. Right, <laughs> right. <So laughs> you know, sometimes it gets sacrificed, but yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I think is challenging for folks is every business has its seasons. So mm. like there is a slow season and a busy season, mm -hmm. every single business. And my business is especially cyclical. And so, you know, end of summer, early fall is always slow for me. I, I've done this now, let's be my fourth time soon. And it's just always slow because, I mean, summer's always slow. And then in September, everything speeds back up, but no one's really ready for calligraphy yet. And yeah. so, like, acknowledging that, that that's not me failing as a human. That's my business has a cycle. And then, okay, so if that is my cycle, what can I do to prepare for that, you know, mm -hmm. starting in the beginning of the year or in the spring to then make sure that I'm not, you know, hitting right. that. So I think that's something that we don't think about. Like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of eat what you kill. And so you always have to be like a couple of months ahead. Um, and, you know, it's hard. It's so hard, especially now with COVID, like everything's topsy-turvy. Um, but it's, it's hard to like see what those trends are. But like separating me, like I'm not failing as a human. This is just where the market is. Um, or if I'm really busy, like it doesn't mean it's just one thing. There could be like something else going on. And then like trying to balance that. So that's also something else that I've been, especially the last year, um, now that I have a little bit more of a handle on things, um, really trying to focus on. But that's that's advice. You never hear that advice. That's not something people talk about. Um, they just, you know, we all want to like appear perfect. And so we don't right. talk about the times that like you will have a low money month and it will mm -hmm. suck and mm -hmm. you have to keep working during your low money month or you're going to continue having them. So working through that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially when you have a creative business. I mean, you're an artist and you have to, like, stay somehow inspired and everything. I mean, yeah. how do you balance, like, the, the business and the art? Or do you see them, like, totally intertwined? Or You know, I view them very intertwined, but I'm also a business person. So I yeah. have as much fun with the business stuff sometimes. <laughs> not accounting, not that part, but everything yeah. else besides my taxes. Um, so I don't necessarily view that. I think there's a danger in getting too sucked in into any one aspect of your business. So mm -hmm. if I'm like really keyed into Instagram, um, I can sometimes lose myself creating content for that and then like not pay attention to other things that I need to pay attention to. So I think it's, right. it's just hard to like be able to be present for myself and my students and my clients and everyone around me. Um, and also just, it's, it's a balancing act and managing that balancing act and just making sure I'm making time for all the different things. Um, because it, yeah, cause the business and the art they're they're very intertwined. And, and honestly, like a lot of the art that I'm doing now, I do for me, I've been doing a lot of watercolor coloring and sketching and I'm playing with my colored pencils lately. I got a new planner. So I'm dipping my toe into bullet journaling. Like these are all like my hobbies now. Um, right. because like the things I'm, I'm working on for my business are more like teaching related. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm doing my classes or I'm doing my creative consulting and branding work. Um, so it's also like recognizing that not every piece of art I'm making is going to be sold and like, mm -hmm. that's okay. Making art for art's sake is okay. It's not a waste of time. Um, right. is also <laughs> like part of that, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a balancing act and like everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and the, the best I've been learning, the best thing you can do is. If you recognize you have a weakness or you hate a task, 
find someone else to help with that and figure out how to make that work. Like, yeah. You do not need to go it alone forever. Right. And I think that's something that I've been realizing more as I've um, been doing more creative consulting, mm -hmm. um, like being that person for other people, I'm recognizing for myself, like, oh yeah, I should probably have someone take care of that. Um, so right. that I'm not sitting there banging my head against the wall. Um, but it's, it's so hard to let go of control because it's, it's your business and your baby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, I think that's interesting um, that it seems like sort of teaching other people, obviously something you're very passionate about, but that has also helped you a lot. Um, oh, with, for sure. Like with, and with business. Um, oh, with everything. And I think yeah. it's, I think for me, the way that I work is I, I think through talking. So when I, and when I teach, I really, and that's why I love teaching live. So even though mm -hmm. it's online, it's live online classes versus like a filmed class, which I do as well, but. Um, because the stuff that comes up, the way that people think about things, I really love like diversity of thought and mm -hmm. like perspective because it will change how I view something. And so many of the things that I teach um, have come up as questions in a class or mm -hmm. another way of doing things and constantly improving. It's just kind of how I approach things. And so it makes total sense to me that I would feel that way about my business stuff the same way about the art stuff. Um, because it, it helps me verbalize like, oh, this is how I was doing it. Or this is how I would approach it, which is something that we don't often take the time to stop and reflect to do when mm -hmm. we're just running around like chickens with, a, with our heads cut off, trying yeah. to you know, react to the latest thing that's happening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes I have to stop myself and be like, what would I tell someone else to do? Like, if, uh, you know, what uh, would I tell my friend to do in this exactly, situation? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah and, <laughs> Like, if I'm feeling guilty because I'm not working at 11 o'clock at night, it's like, I would never tell a friend to feel guilty about that. Like, that's just not a thing. So I have to just remind myself. And, you know, that's where my mantra for this year came from, the be kind to yourself. You know, mm -hmm. um, I have very high expectations for myself and everyone else in my life, including the cat. And <laughs> they're trying to, like, you know, keep them in the realm of, like, reality. <laughs> right. Wait, what are your expectations of the cat? Now I want to. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love my cat child. I love my cat child. Well, I, I expect him to like come and get me when he needs me. And he does, by the way, got me up at six o'clock this morning. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. We've quarantined with my husband. I just completely pampered this cat. It's yeah. wild. Um, but yes, I have very high expectations and um, yeah. yeah, it's trying to keep them in check and right. seeing, seeing what I like hearing myself tell other people it's okay to breathe and take breaks reminds me it's okay to breathe and take breaks. Mm, yeah, that's like, that's really true. <laughs> so sometimes we can't do it for ourselves. Like we can do it for someone else. So um. right, exactly. Because we need to be like perfectly perfect human beings who yeah. can do everything yeah. for 23 hours a day and sleep for the other one and be fine. And like, that's not real. Right. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that makes me wonder. Um, I mean, I know a little bit, but I'm curious, like how COVID has affected your business and how you've been able to um, react. Yeah. So as I mentioned, like one of my biggest challenges has been just focusing in on what I want to do, because there are so many different things I can do. So there's teaching, there's live events, there's, um, you know, I sell at Chelsea Market. So my journals, cards and prints, I have a wholesale line. Um, I'm working on a coloring book. Now I'm doing, you know, embroidery and bullet journaling and all these things. And like, they all could be businesses. <laughs> all yeah. And so one of the, the nice things to come out of this whole COVID craziness um, has been kind of forcing me to focus on 
um, these two main areas in my business. So virtual classes is the, the big one, as well as the creative consulting. So the virtual classes, so I run my own Saturday series every week. Um, this week, I'm doing my brush lettering part one and next week's part two. Um, and I also do like bullet journaling, illustration, just all sorts of stuff. It's all on the website. <laughs> um, yeah. But I have these weekly classes. And then I also work with companies. So I have a weekly series um, with a company on Thursday. They actually um, are doing weekly classes for their employees' kids, which I think is so cool. So like how cool. them entertained, being engaged. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it's awesome. And the kids are fantastic. So I'm doing that. I also do private lessons. Um, I have weekly private lessons. And so I've always been working with companies and I've, I've worked with kids on a limited basis, but now I'm like upping that. So I'm doing more work with companies, whether as like a one-off virtual team building or you know, these longer relationships and then working more with kids from ages like eight to 12, which is so awesome because they are so creative and they just go for it. Like I'm so inspired when I work with the kids. Um, so with doing more stuff with families, if there's a one family um, who actually takes one of my classes every single week, like they bounce around, but it's so nice. Yeah. It, and it's, yeah, they're amazing. So every week I get to see them and we hang out. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's really fun. And then, um, I'm also doing, um, the creative coaching. So when COVID hit, a friend of mine was starting her second business and she needed a website for it. And I had just redone my own website and I was like, Oh, I could do a website for you. Um, and it really, um, I did spoiler alert. Um, and then it really turned into, um, this just fantastic working relationship with her. I'm helping her with both of her businesses. And now I have seven um, creative consulting clients where I'm helping them with branding, strategy. I have what's called the unstuck session where someone will come to me with either an existing business or an idea and will create like an action plan. So it's somewhere between like design work and mentorship um, instead mm -hmm. of coaching because like there's just so much stuff that you don't know when you're starting out. You just need someone to tell you. So I will happily either tell you or help like refer you to the resources to get the information. Um, but it's all done like as live video working sessions. So um, mm -hmm. even the design work, like we're not sending back 17 emails. It's all live and like you're having input. So like my clients include like, illustrators and designers, um, teachers, um, consultants. Yeah. So lots of like service based, I mean, also products because my main client is products. Um, but like lots of people who are doing this on their own and just need someone to bounce ideas off of. So, um, for, for my biggest client, like I, I go through different titles lately, it's been creative director, but I think mostly it's like, you know, business partner for hire where, you know, we talk <laughs> through things, we do strategy and brainstorm. And this is stuff that I've always loved to do. I just didn't know how to make it part of my business. And so mm -hmm. that was a really big light bulb moment for me. Um, and so that's, that's been a, a really nice welcome change <laughs> as well. Yeah. So those are like my two biggest areas. And I mean, I don't know what's going to happen after COVID. I am really enjoying myself. So I hope that this, this stays as yeah. you know, what I focus on. Um, but we'll see. I'm just kind of being open to everything. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, um, I, that was another one of my questions was like, where do you envision, you know, what do you, what do you, what are your goals? Like, what's your you know, five, five year plan or whatever, you know. Oh, Lord. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have told you where I was going to be now six months ago. I don't yeah. know yeah. where I'm going to be in five years. Um, but I really love, so the way that, so for everyone else who didn't get to read the questions, the way Alex worded it was, what are your future plans for yourself and your business? If you had unlimited time and resources, what is your dream for Rothburn's Creative? And I love that idea. So if I had unlimited time and resources, 
Um, I think I would have a team of people that I would manage who would do some combination of this new strategy created consulting stuff that I'm doing and the design work. Like I would love to work with someone who like I have the ideas for the website, but someone else does the work and we can like really get into the weeds with like custom coding would be really cool. Um, and like people who could like research all of the crazy ideas that I have. Um, yeah. So like, that'd be really fun. But then also I would love to work with other artists like myself who, you know, I could put a team together of like different things and like could go to companies and you know, go to parties. Basically, like, I really like what I'm doing and I would just like to scale it up. You know, yeah. I've had this like myth on my um, New Year's resolution list for the last two years of set up passive income. I don't know what passive income is. <laughs> I'm just, like bad at it because it's this idea of like set it and forget it. Like I made my first two fonts, but like I don't promote them because I'm doing 10,000 other things. Um, so like I would love to get to a point where there could be some semblance of that. But I think that what I love is that being with other people, connecting and having ideas and Mm -hmm. um, and helping. Like, I just love being a resource for people. And all of that involves being in the room, whether that's, you know, virtually or in real life. Um, so anything that allows me to do that as much as humanly possible, and then someone else could do all the other crap would be amazing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's great, though, that you've been able to kind of combine a lot of your different passions and um, use the the art and the business and the education background and, you know, bring them all together. So. I know, I finally get to use my Columbia degree for something. Like, yeah. Finally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sit on a shelf. Um, yeah, and one of the things that I found really interesting is every stage of my business, every evolution, when I go to my family and friends and I say, this is what I'm doing now, um, every single time it feels like um, like this is where it all was leading to. So it's always felt like a very natural evolution, a very natural idea. I haven't really gotten any pushback like, ooh, that doesn't sound like you. Um, and that's been really encouraging because it, it has changed. Like my day-to-day -day has changed a lot in the last few months. Um, but it has always felt like I'm getting closer to who I am and not farther away. Um, mm -hmm. So that's been a really, really cool thing. And it's been really nice to like have I'm like an unofficial board of advisors that I could go to. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. Like I have different people for like different things. And um, but to be able to like say like, hey, I'm doing this now. And like with the creative consulting, like um, everyone's response was, oh, wow, that makes sense you know, mm -hmm. and then like friends were hiring me and like, that was cool. Um, and just trying to like continue to grow in ways that make sense to me and the people who know and love me, um, I think is, is a really good plan for growth. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I try not to plan too much in the future because yeah. if you do, you end up getting stuck to this like limiting plan and it's like, no, I want to blow it up. I want to do new things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I have a few things in the hopper. So hopefully I'll have some new things to announce soon too. Awesome. Well, I know um, you were going to try to do maybe a little demo for us. Uh, get that um, set up. I just, for people that haven't seen you, I mean, I know you have a lot of videos online, but um, it's just, I always love why. I mean, you make it look so easy. <laughs> I know it's not. I just practice a lot. From having done it myself, you know, um, but it's, it's just, um, I, the other thing I was, I don't know if you can, I, I feel like you can talk. Can you see right? me? Yeah, yeah, I can see perfectly. Yeah, yeah. of course I can talk and write. That's yeah, like yeah. Being at Chelsea Market when I wrote thousands of names for people, if I couldn't talk and write, I'd be screwed. Right. Okay, you ready? Okay. Um, 
sucked. So, oh, so I was just wondering, um, what makes this like modern calligraphy? Yeah, so modern calligraphy is actually the style. So there's two mm -hmm. main par two main styles of calligraphy: um, pointed pen and um, broad edge. So broad edge calligraphy uses a um, broad tool <laughs> to make the hallmark thicks and thins that you see in the writing. So the way that you do broad edge is by turning your pen and that creates the thicks and thins. Um, and it's all, it's thick when you go down and thin when you go up and across. Okay. But for um, pointed pen calligraphy, the way you do that is with pressure. And so usually pointed pen calligraphy, we do that with a um, pen and ink, but we can also do that with a marker like I'm doing right now. Um, we can also do it with watercolors um, and other tools like that. So anything that's pressure sensitive. So my iPad, you know, the Apple Pencil is pressure sensitive. Um, so it has to do with pressure. So the pointed pen traditional styles are like copper plate and Spencerian. Now modern calligraphy takes those pointed pen principles um, and instead of applying them to a specific hand, which is what we call those styles, um, it actually applies it to our own writing. So with modern calligraphy, you can use any alphabet you want. The alphabet I use in my class is just one option. It's not the only option. I, I use books in my class with 20 ways to write every letter. And all of that is fine and valid. Um, we also have something called bounce lettering, where our letters go up and down to create movement. Um, so it has to do with the style, meaning that um, the style of modern calligraphy is based on pointed pen. It's also based on a script style. Um, and I'm using those tools. So there's like some hallmarks of it, like the bounce lettering. Usually you'll see like extra thick downstrokes, whereas with traditional styles, you wouldn't. Um, so it really just has to do with, you know, it being a, a modern update. I would say. Okay, okay. But you also kind of put your own spin on it, right? I mean, this is of a little I bit do. <laughs> your own style, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course you do. So this, this was like the slow, neat version, because in my classes, I'm all about, you have to go slow. Um, but then I also have like the messy version, you know, so I'm the same person, I'll write this again. So I'm the same person writing the exact same thing, and it, it can look completely different. And that's one of the things I love about it is you're not really limited that way. Um, so I can do a different style. I can add a bunch of flourishes and extras, and, you know, it can look very different. And now that you do all of these other, like, I know you do hand lettering and illustration, and I mean, is do you have a favorite? or? <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't even see what I was writing. No. Oh, that's okay. We can see it now. Do I have a favorite? Um, I go through phases. Mm. I would say so. Like right now, I'm in a, um, I'm like pretty solidly in a hand lettering phase. I think because um, I'm just really enjoying it right now. Okay. Um, it's really. It's also because of like when I'm teaching, it's easier to do hand lettering and illustration than brush calligraphy because you don't need any special tools. So I wrote woman instead of woman, sorry. I, no, I no, that, I, I, we are, you are a woman. Of there you go. Misspellings <laughs> are common by the way, because we're focusing <laughs> on each letter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, yeah, I, I, so I do, I go through phases. So right this particular minute, like I said, I, I got a new planner, um, mm -hmm. Silk and Sonder, it's fabulous. It's a monthly mm -hmm. planner. And there's a bullet journaling component. So I've been doing a lot of hand lettering and illustration and making bullet journal spreads for the last week. I've been obsessed. Um, and then 
I've also been doing more like illustration. Um, I've been playing with my colored pencils. I've been playing with my watercolors. I'll go through phases where I'm only playing with my iPad. Um, so I kind of let the creative inspiration like kind of just take me where it wants to go at this point. Um, and just try to, whatever I'm doing, try to have fun with it and try to um, expand out. So I've been, you know, for a long time, I was feeling like I could only, you know, work on something if I drew it, you know, I was feeling a lot of pressure to do that. And now it's like, no, I can do a coloring page. And like, that's fine. And I can be inspired and I can put my own spin on things. Um, mm. And so kind of coming to terms with that, like, it's not less valid because someone else did the drawing. Um, mm -hmm you know, is, is important. I, it's just taking, I'm just been, especially with COVID and trying to take that pressure off. So yeah. So I've been, I've been illustrating and watercoloring. That's been my current phase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in <the> <laughs> phase. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. I don't know if you want to flip it around how difficult that is. <laughs> there oh, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. No, I love that you have such a great setup. <laughs> Oh yeah, this dance amazing. Um, and I have a, a special camera that um, films just my hands. Yeah. Um, so that's really great. And I can bring it to my in-person workshops as well. So I can like project my hands and everything. So it's great. So like when I do my classes, you can like really see what I'm doing, but also see my face. So it's good. Right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, I have all the setups. I, I know you always have fun, fun tools and the toys and kinds oh, of I have all the toys. Yeah. <laughs> and you live in New York, right? I'm like, how do you? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. I live in New York in a one-bedroom apartment. It, it's a thing. I just, um, everything this, must be super organized. The secret to my success is um, this massive bookcase. Oh. <laughs> Those are all, can you see it? Those are all yeah. boxes of, yeah, I'm like not holding it right. But that's all boxes of craft supplies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, there's that. And there's another one in the entryway. Um, that's all books. So it's just a whole like organizer of like cubbies, with just like all my art books. So right. yeah. Um, when you live in a small space, you have to organize all the time. I'm, at least once a month, I'm like reorganizing everything. Um, right. I also became a Jewish crafting Santa Claus in January when <laughs> I went through my craft supplies and I gave away a ton of stuff, um, which felt so good. Right. Um, to like get it out of my house and like into the hands of people who would appreciate it. So it was awesome. I got to meet up with a lot of former students and friends. Um, so yeah, anytime, like I, anytime I have a play day with my friends, I'm always bringing them crafts. <laughs> it's what happens. <laughs> Might get a few markers. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it was my friend's birthday last week. And so I met up with her. I had, um, I used my book binding machine for like the first time in two years and I made her a book. Um, and I like handed her some other things. She's like, Oh, are you cleaning yet? I was like, No, I actually like picked these for you. Thanks. But like, it would have been valid if I was cleaning too, because she's used to me just handing her things. So right. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know um, you, you said you have some classes coming up this weekend, right? People can. Yeah. Yeah. I have my um, brush calligraphy series. Um, so part one is this Saturday. Part two is next Saturday. You don't have to do both. Um, but part one is about the basic strokes and the alphabet. And then part two is about connecting letters, adding flourishes, and really making the alphabet your own. Um, what's really nice about my classes is, again, they're live. So I'm all about answering questions. And every class is a little bit different because of that. Um, but I also send out the recordings. So you'll always have access to that. Um, and I'm doing a pay what you can, especially with COVID. Um, I'm totally cognizant of the fact that not everyone can pay $35 for a class. Um, so it's all donation based. So whatever you, you can pay, you are welcome to pay. If you 
even if you just pay five dollars like I would still love to have you in class yeah um and you know pick up a new skill this is such a good time to do that um I'm also I think I'm teaching embroidery this month and oh a bunch of things I'm always adding stuff to the calendar um but it's every Saturday at three I'm teaching okay awesome well yeah I'm, I'm sure people can find all the info on your Instagram all on my site yeah, yeah everything <laughs> so awesome um, well thank you again for taking the time to chat with us and I can vouch for having taken I think two of your classes now and yeah on and, well, yeah and thank you for having me I always just love all the programming you put together and how thoughtful <laughs> you are when you bring people into the space it's just always it's just so well done like yeah so thank you <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it um, <laughs> all right well I'm sure we'll chat soon oh yes <laughs> <laughs> all right I'll have a good night you too all okay right. bye, bye.